Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Always record episode 127 with the one and only Steve Wilner. We're riding on the internet. Cyberspace. Set free. Hello, virtual reality. Interactive appetite, searching for a website, a window to the world, got to get online. Take a spin, now you're in with the techno set, you're going surfing on the internet. Hello. Hey, Steve. Hey, what's up? Hey. David, do you have your hey, back? what's up, man? Uh, recording going? Uh, yes, I do, in fact. Yeah. Alright. Nice birds. It's very peaceful sounding. Where are you at, Steve? At my house in Portland, Oregon. Oh, okay, you're back. Yeah. Nice. You were in Japan for a while, right? Uh, last November. I went for a couple weeks. Okay. Yeah, but you've been uh, traveling about a little bit lately, somewhat, yeah, maybe? Yeah, we, we've only been home. Oh, we've been just going for it, man. We we started in New York, and we were just kind of make, making the rounds on the West Coast and stuff. Um, so my, my fiance travels a lot for work, so I, just, I end up going with her a lot of the time. So we, we've been been having fun man what about you guys oh you know i don't know nothing nothing exciting on the traveling tip i haven't been outside of santa cruz in months <laughs> I've, I've i've never stopped in santa cruz but i really want to go I, i'm still kind of exploring the west coast i want to i want to check out santa cruz pretty bad cool so what's what's what kind of projects are you working on lately you got anything um i, I i'm doing a project with this guy um that is Someone that that watched like an old Soundless Dawn video on uh, Tesseract, like Hypercube mm-hmm. stuff, he said like it was just overdue for an update. And um, this guy like makes Hypercubes out of like you know he's like a metallurgist. He's, he sent me one; it's fucking beautiful. And um, he he he's basically he basically hired me to uh, you know recreate that whole video and make it more current and modern and stuff. And so I'm working on that. I'm helping Ezra with his stuff. He's going to start promotion for his second book. And um, still working for Rents Radio and doing a lot of like conspiracy theory videos still. Oh yeah, what's what's the subject matter? Late, like lately, or just in general? Oh whatever you you know. I mean, is there something lately that comes to mind? That's... Yeah, not 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 really with Jeff, but lately it's been the flat Earth theory stuff. Oh boy, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, what what do you think of that? Fuck, man. It kind of blows my mind. It blows my mind because there are some things, on you know, the heliocentric model and the geocentric model both have. They they both work in some ways. Obviously, it sounds ridiculous, but there are there's there's questions that you can't answer for the heliocentric model. And there's also questions you can't answer for the geocentric model. I think I think Marty Lee just posted something about it. Um, yeah, there's there's a couple things. It's like. I've been I've been flying a lot. I, like I just said, told David like traveling a lot, and um, like here I'm I'm just I'm on Marty Leeds' little blog thing. As why why when you, why when a balloon ascends into the upper stratosphere with a camera and takes video on the Earth, no curvature is ever seen. How is it that the horizon continues up all the way as you ascend? Now I you know I fly a lot, so I I often think like why doesn't the pilot uh 
always tip his nose lower. If if the Earth is spherical or globe-like, like it's supposed to be, they'd have to compensate for that that those dimensions of the planet, but they never do. Um, and then the other one is like, why are there hardly any photographs of Earth from space? Why is it nearly everything that we get from NASA is like a composite image? Yeah, if that's you, if, true, man. That's fucking weird, huh? Yeah, dude. If you type in, um, if you specifically type in like picture of Earth from space, yeah, or, I've been uh, through it, man. An even better one is like uh, pictures of satellites. They're all composite images. They're, Why? And I'm yeah. sure you could Google it right now. Google satellites. You won't find a single real satellite. And you're like, what the what the fuck is that about? It's very Truman Show ish, you know? Right. What's the deal with the Earth thing? Yeah, and there's yeah. always these like um, computer generated images, and it's like, and if it's not computer generated, it's like like you said, like a composite thing. And it's yeah. just weird. Why would they go to that much trouble then? Sure. Like, it's almost trouble to not do something <laughs> in a way. What, what I'm interested in is the utility of deceiving everyone about the flat Earth. Because the flat Earth doesn't reveal anything fundamental about the universe. I don't see it. I guess not that it's, you just know a, of. it's just purely, you could say, well, it's just purely a psyop just to fuck with people. Um, at the same time, I think. <laughs> I, not that I believe wholeheartedly in science or anything, but there's like a certain amount of like, you, you have to depend on sort of science to some degree to answer these questions. And all I've seen from flat earth, I haven't seen one scientist mm. ever in support of it anymore. Now you could just say they're an entirely indoctrinated group, but when it's a bunch of like amateurs or people playing with numerology, I mean, numerology has its place, but to analyze the shape of the planet, I'm not so sure. No, it's how yeah. we're two-dimensional in the first place, right? Like, everything's <laughs> two-dimensional. It's just you can't see the forest from the trees. Like, if you're in a two-dimensional piece, things seem to stand out, you know? Yeah, I, it's an illusion. I mean, relatively, I would say that's totally <laughs> fine. Like, yeah, because yeah, we, we are two-dimensional, all depending on what dimension you're viewing things from, honestly. It's like... Uh, you can postulate any amount of dimensions and you could say that the sixth dimension to the eighth dimension is two dimensional or something. Right. So yeah, you could, you could argue that however you want, but I'm saying, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it, it, there just seems something, I don't know what's going on there. I, I'm not so, it, it just shows a complete distrust of science and that uh, scares me a bit. Not to say that again, science has all the answers and I criticize the shit out of it because mm -hmm. it's a belief system and there's a lot of dogma involved with it. But just, just to throw out the um, tools of science is useless and to say, oh, everything is relative. I think that starts, I don't know, that's a slippery slope. It's creating a lot of great conversations because, of course it is. I mean, what, what it is saying basically is philosophically, how much do we have a, a true knowing about without physically seeing with our eyes or touching it, you know? So it, it reminds you of that aspect of it. Like we're, we're supposed to take for granted a lot of the things they teach us in science books, but they have the same composite image of the Earth they did for the Apollo 17 mission that's 50 years old on textbooks in 2015. You just want, you wonder why those things are never updated. And it just, it, there's a lot of little strange um, things like that. But a lot of it has to do with NASA and how they're, they're so in control of those kinds of things that what get out, what gets out from their perspective to right. the public. A I mean, civilian think, organization, right? Yeah, exactly. I Where mean, is the civilian in the civilian organization if there's a chain of command for information distribution? Yeah. And I think that I, the, you know, saying flat earth theory, that throws people way off. But I think what it really is saying is that there are really some unanswerable things about space. And, you know, there's some, some things that I've seen with our, with our most advanced technology, HD, you know, deep space Hubble stuff, it just looks like shit going in under the shit. I don't know. Like, we're, we're, we don't. 
we're like we can't even explore our our planet fully, and we get these very bizarre images sometimes from them, and that 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 creates a lot of conspiracy theories. I get that, but there's some hard science that's impossible to work around as well. I mean, um, like there's like the, you know on the other side of things, if there's the flat earthers don't think that there's a, they think there's a literal literal firmament. At least some of them do. So they think that there's like no international space station. Like all that shit is completely photoshopped or you know shot underwater and underwater, that, yeah, yeah. That and that stems from like people that still you know are, are curious about. <clears throat> I've seen some uh, moon footage of like you know launchers and stuff like lifting off the moon that looks so dumb to me. They don't look real. They, intuitively, they don't look real. So yeah, well, fake I, footage doesn't necessarily imply that there's nothing. That's it. Just means that they want they want to give a representation of something that's other than whatever the fuck is actually happening. You know, precisely. Um, yeah. I don't so know. The, so the Truman Show thing, it's like, you know, the, Truman was the only one involved in that conspiracy. But if you had a big enough dome and, uh, you know, flat earthers think like the, the Antarctica is this big ice wall that's could be infinite. They're not saying they know how long that extends. But um, Truman didn't turn around because he only had to deal with like three hours of being thirsty and then he hit the wall. Right. But what if you had to deal with like real hunger and a 5000 mile ice wall and shit like that, you know, so. In that in that model, the bubble that we'd have to you know uh, go through would be a lot more difficult to achieve. And and uh, you remember that scene when I think he's at a travel agency and there's a picture of a plane in the background and the plane is struck hit by, by lightning. lightning. <laughs> yeah. And it's like this could happen to you, you know. So there's a lot of um, it made me it made me realize too. I've had this photograph in my bathroom since I was like a, a little kid, six years old, of a of a guy peeing on the moon and then the Earth in the background. And it's just <laughs> – but I was just thinking about how subconsciously all of those composite images um, create this idea that those things have to be true. And then I'll watch a video like um, you know, the, the sun's supposedly 93 – I think it's 93 million miles away or some billion. Who fucking knows? And it's spiraling uh, around – Scott Onstott knows. That's who yeah, he, he does know. Oh, I, I, by the way, I brought this subject up with him and he um, – I know he doesn't get perturbed very easily, but he he, he seemed a little upset with me. <laughs> not, not upset, just that like how could I mean you know we respect each other. So he's like, how could we even talk talk about flat earth theory in a serious manner? And I was like, dang, Scott, on side to that shit, I better I better stop talking about it. Yeah, it's like the nine eleven planes thing when you're no, like, but that's why no I asked plane, him. No planes theory, you know? Yeah, like everyone was fucking standing there. Yeah, but then. You know, how many recordings of people saying they were military craft, you know, look like military, like all the people at the time, you know, but that's another talk. I guess what I was just trying to get at is there's subconscious um, composites that we render in our brains about things that just have to be so. And one of the first things we see in school is the globe and the dome and stuff. So the the younger that gets into your brain, the more you just would never question it because you'd have to go back to a regression of five year old David Plate or whatever, you know, like it's hard to do. Right. Well, you know the Times 10 video or whatever when they mm-hmm. go, it's like a picnic and then they like zoom out and out and out and they're like times 10, times 10, times 10 and then they zoom in yeah. the picnic and they go microscopic. So they give you the micro and then they give you the macro and it uh, it tripped me out like hardcore because at the end of it, they were like, okay, for every leap we make in seeing the cosmos, we make the same equivalent leap in seeing the micro and then it just goes like that. And we're always in the middle and it was like relative. You know, yeah. but that, it's just, you know, I, I don't know if that's the operative view, but yeah, it's a trip, man. I just saw something with CERN found a, a pentacork. I was like, what the fuck is a pentacork? It's Uh-oh. like a, it's like the, one of the, fun, you know, fun, fundamental things that makes, you know, that the smallest particles actually can 
configure in some kind of geometry like a pentagram or something. They figure that out. And yeah, I hear stuff like that. And it's like, what does that, what does that mean to me? Like, how do I right. tangibly get something from that? I don't know. But you're <laughs> that's, right. the, that's the problem with science right now. It's yeah. that, like these are the projects they're invested in. And yeah. esoterically, it's interesting. It's like, oh, they have the pentagram at this fundamental level of reality and blah, yeah. blah, blah. But as far as the utility to man, I'm not so sure what it is. And so they make these big media stories out of nothing. Because mm. that's all they have to show for it is to say we found the pentaquark. So what? There's no. <laughs> it's a bottomless pit. We're going to keep finding this shit all the time. So if they want to keep like, yeah. I like that you just use the word bottomless pit because a lot of people think that at least the religious slant on CERN and stuff is that they're lit trying to unlock certain like demons from the abyss. <laughs> right. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. Just, Who knows if they are or not? I don't know. Yeah, they're we were just talking not. with uh, Thomas. They're Rich. already here. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also based on the concept of black holes and we don't even know if black holes are, are gen i mean they're theoretical objects we have some sort of like um electromagnetic phenomenon going on at far distances that we yeah. capture with their telescopes we don't we don't really know what that is it's just these dark blots in space <laughs> and a bunch of light is flying out of them but we don't know if that's a black hole swallowing up another star or what that is and so our we're just groping in the dark. It's really totally. incredible. And that's just, totally. but that's humbling. And that's also, it allows you to play with reality more. And as long as you try to not believe too hard in anything because you want to, and you're just more open to just saying, Hey, experience in life and reality is, it's this huge, wonderful art project still to be discovered. Um, sure. It just makes life a lot more interesting. And so I wish people would see it more like that instead of saying, we have to prove the flat earth is happening. We have to prove it's this or that. It's like everyone is just trying to focusing in. They're compartmentalizing on one little thing and then letting their binary brain uh, create this false dichotomy of it's us versus them or whatever. Sure. And, and we all have to be good psychologists about the matter and try to figure out, like, why would this meme be being brought forth to the pop consciousness at this point in time like what does that serve how does it start how do the algorithms on the internet just start going crazy is it just like a couple of guys who are very convincing with their videos that started this all off or is it like a, an algorithm that the human consciousness needs to create for itself because the, there are problems with the globe model there's problems with what we've been taught about it and maybe that's you know a lot of these things haven't been properly explained to people because oh for sure even, even even layman's physics, not a lot of people have a good grasp on even the simplest things about physics. So. Yeah, and I'm willing to say that cosmology is largely a pseudoscience in a lot of ways. It's just mm. there's these, these things are too far away. There's too much question about how light behaves, what light is. Um, like quasars, for example, the mainstream position is, well, quasars only seem to be the way they are because of what's called gravitational lensing. But that itself is speculative and only works for maybe half the cases and then we have this huge other group of anomalies where we're not sure but to keep going on with research to keep pretending we know what's happening because humans need these security blankets um yeah pretend. Like quasar would be quasar is one of the furthest thing we could see in space right. is that what it is right it's like a cluster of like the beginning of time basically yeah super super old um ancient light phenomenon um most of them are already dead uh, but at the yeah. same time, they're also, they open up the question of what, how our universe is created or how our galaxy is created because quasars have this strange, uh, anomaly where they seem to be spinning off little galaxies, like almost birthing new ones. If you analyze them closely, there's these, um, astral jets that connect them. And so mm -hmm. it seems like that is actually how cosmogenesis happens is that it starts off with a small 
particle out of the vacuum, and then another one, and another one, and then these cluster and form a star, and then this forms a proto-galaxy, or a proto-solar system, and then the solar system keeps growing and growing, and then it birds a new one and spits them out. And so quasars, in a lot of ways, um, seem to indicate or challenges like Big Bang cosmology when seen from a different perspective. So I, I tend to question those things more about cosmology. I think people are missing the bigger picture. I think those are much more interesting questions. But like you said, most people don't know shit about physics or care in the first place. <clears throat> it's just they focus on whatever is closest at hand. What about the galactic halo? So that's the Which, thing is when you find evidence for so everything spherical, you know? I mean, it's like... Uh, you know the galactic halo, like if you're looking at a uh, standard model of a galaxy, and there's like the main arms of light, right, which are star clusters, but then those actually um, spread out as they like move outward around the sphere, mm-hmm. and there's actually more stars in the su- surrounding uh, sphere than they are in the central disk. It just appears that way because they're all together or whatever. Yeah, and exactly. so I forget, I don't know what it is, but however many whatever light years it takes for the stars to travel from the outskirts of the poles and then they get like whirled back in. Like it's all this big Taurus spiral thing. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. all like being recirculated, but like, how do they, what, what do the flat earthers have to say about spheres everywhere? (laughs) Well, I, well, one of their, like, you know, the things that they base some of their uh, philosophy on, this is just like, you know, 30 hours of research. I haven't looked into it too much, but I think they basically think that if you look at that really big fucking picture, you guys are talking about like quasars and arm rings of galaxies and clusters of this. And there's probably trillions upon trillions of habitable planets with all kinds of life, intelligent life everywhere that it takes away from the importance of, uh, the human race and it, that it makes us feel less special. And therefore, uh, we do things a little bit more superficially, materialistic, maybe, and um, we don't feel as close to God as we would if it was there was a fucking literal firmament, and we, the geocentric model would be, it would place importance on Earth like it was this grand zoo created by a god on purpose, um, because we're a special experiment or whatever, a TV show or whatever it is. So yeah, like when when you're just one of billions of possible planets, you lose your. A sense of specialness, I guess, and and that works in politics, and that works in sociology, and it works in herding the masses together. That that's there. That's basically part of it, and that that's the part that gets hokey with me because it's very, it's very dogmatic, you know, like monotheist. Earth was yeah. it South Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we put a bunch of crazy animals together in one place. Let's see what <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> Let's see what oh. goes down. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. What, okay, so what what other conspiracies have you been delving into other than flat Earth? Oh man, um, that's been pretty much it. <laughs> well, that's I'd like to hear. Go ahead. I was going to say I'd like to hear more about that whole CERN, uh, the Lucifer thing that you had mentioned a little bit about <clears throat> something about Lucifer's army being unleashed from CERN or something. Oh, God, yeah. Well, I okay, so I have this really bizarre contact. I don't know if I I think I briefly told you, David. But um, you know, like if you do this kind of research for a while and you you do make videos on it, you write write a little bit, you blog about it. Sometimes you'll just run into people that are at least claim to be high up and have something to tell you because I don't know, they watch some of your stuff or you just randomly met or whatever. Um, but in like 2002, um through Freemasonry, uh, this this guy Michael Prescott crazy fucking guy like really high up in freemasonry and uh, really high up in the the mormon church i didn't even know they were related or connected but i guess they were 
um, inter- oh, yeah. inter- introduced me to this guy. Like, if you type in his name, is Supreme Rockefeller. It's ridiculous. And if you type it into Google search, it's just all this con artist stuff. Like, you know, a guy trying to claim he's a Rockefeller changed his name just so he could, I don't know, screw women or get a lot of money somehow or, or dupe do, do people, basically. That's all you'll see about him if you type in his name. But I, I actually met the guy through him. I went to his house in Tennessee for Thanksgiving and, um, his, it was just a, a very bizarre experience. I still have, you know, minimal contact with him. He sends me images, texts, it tells me what he's doing, what he's, what, what he's up to basically. And, um, there's a religious slant with him. Like when I went in his house, he had all these Egyptian relics and art, you know, things from that he had flown over that were absolutely incredible. He gave that guy, Michael, this like miniature statue from, uh, of, of ISIS from like the temple of Abydos. Like it was a, an original. And he's like, you just, do you want this? And he's like, sure. Like he just gave it to him. And, um, the top level of this guy's house. And we're talking like Nick mansion. Like he, there was helicopters on the property. The top floor was like satellites. It was, it was like a mini NASA on the top. And, um, so I kept kind of, you know, I kept, kept up with him a little bit. We, we have a little bit of transfer of dialogue and stuff. And he sends me the weirdest shit. Like he sends me these uniforms that he's wearing that are, I've never seen anything like it. Like I've never seen any military personnel wearing it. Um, different patches and military badges and stuff that I've just never seen before that were like about secret space programs and who, who the hell knows what lately it's been FEMA. He's been in a lot of FEMA outfits. But the reason I just brought that up is because the last picture he sent me, he was in front of CERN. He's like, have you ever heard of CERN? I was like, of course I have. And um, he started – this is what he asked me in the text message. He said, have you ever heard of the sigil of Apollyon? Or have in, in any yeah. of your research, have you seen the sigil of Abaddon or Apollyon? And uh, you know, I did a quick Google search because I didn't, I, I didn't really know what he was talking about at first. It just means and Apollyon. I, I realized that there really wasn't any you know, specific sigil of, of Apollyon on the net. And he's like, yeah, we ran like cross something algorithms to make sure there wasn't anything on the net. But sometimes these things leak out. And so he gives me these like little cryptic things. I'm like, what? So you're at CERN and you think you're literally trying to unleash Abaddon from the abyss. So, yeah, I have some kind of weird, crazy contacts like that that keep my conspiratorial mind uh, tripped up. But I don't ever give them total stock. It's just right. some so of the just, stuff I hear is crazy. Just to you know? communicate, yeah, Apollo means destroyer. <clears throat> Right. And Shiva was a gift at the statue was a gift from the Indian government to CERN, which they have in front, which is also the destroyer. So there's a resonance between Apollo and Shiva, meaning they, they essentially have the same meaning, right? Yeah, basically. You know, and you know, it's kind of relevant that we're supposedly and like leaving the Kali Yuga cycle and um you know, entering this golden age where we kind of like come back to these things, these, these things where we appreciate the fact that we are a part of this like larger being possibly, you know, dreaming us in an inorganic or organic state. And so I don't know, some of these high up people in military, uh, circles, at least Supreme and his, his homeboys, like they believe it literally like they do. So I I don't know what that means. I just thought it was relevant to the conversation, but you take, take, take it with a grain of salt. I'll take it with a grain of sulfur. It's sulfur too. (laughs) (laughs) I had a dude call me, like, uh, actually contact me on Facebook, like, two years ago, and uh, he was, like, claiming to be, like, a a rap artist, and I've got to remember his name now. It's something, like, Vega or something, and he had, like, a few thousand fans and, like, uh, what seemed to be, like, a home studio or something, but he was kind of young. He said he sold his beats to, uh, you know, major rap artists and stuff, Um, but he was contacting me. 
saying that he was studying with a rabbi and that they were having these powerful synchronicities when reading the book of the law. And uh, so he was telling me he had these secrets to tell me about how a certain passage in the book of the law with, with this kind of cryptic string of letters, uh, he said it was the, the chemical formula for free energy. And so he was like, he's like, I can't tell you about this on the computer, so I need you to call me so I can tell you about this formula. He's like, I, I, I have a feeling that you like you need to know this or whatever. So <laughs> I end up, um, I'm like, you know, dude, I don't know. It's a little bit weird. I kind of don't want you to know my phone number and stuff. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, if you really want to, you know, share with me, like, and you know, at the time being a, I think I was a neophyte of the AA at that point. So I took an oath to always like serve potential students, you know, before myself. So I was like, all right, I feel obligated in different ways to try to talk to this guy and see where this goes or whatever. Sure. So, you know, get on the phone with him. And I, I, I was like, you give me your phone number and I'll call you from a block number, you know? <laughs> so I did that. And, uh, so then he's telling me some like interesting stuff about, um, I don't know, no, nothing really that fascinating or anything that revealed him having any like actual theoretical background in the occult or Kabbalah or anything. But he was saying there's certain passages of the book of the law that referred to his life. And, uh, and then in the middle of the conversation, he's telling me this stuff. And I'm like, I was just telling him, I was like, yeah, man, that's cool stuff. You know, like synchronicity is powerful. I think, you know, throughout our lives, we all encounter potent things. And so it's very cool of you to take note of that. And I was like, even just trying to play it healthy with him and be like, and you know, don't go too far with this stuff, you know, like, you know, visions are visions, sinks are sinks, and try to just take it all as it comes, you know. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Be a little objective. Well, the, the yeah, ego, yeah. The, the ego steps in there every once in a while, and like you know, people do do get these kind of narcissistic complexes where they think these grandiose prophecies are about them. You know, I, I, def, I have definitely right. met people like that. And you know, if you Google ego or uh, Burning Man ego in a in a Google search, David comes up as a, as a third one. I, I'm just saying. Ah, <laughs> awesome. Yahoo on the first, but well, to, to finish any, the yeah. weird thing, go for it. The little connection to your story with this Supreme dude. Um, so he's talking to me as if he's got interest in Thelema and he's interested in prophecy and he's studying Kabbalah and all this stuff. And then like a, a, a switch flips in the conversation and suddenly he's just like, he's like, revoke your vile religion. Now he's Holy like, Ser servant of Lucifer, like revoke your vile religion. And I was just like, Whoa, <laughs> dude, what? And, uh, the so up. yeah. Conversation jumped and, the shark. Oh man. So then he's telling me that, you know, only a certain, few thousand people will be exposed to the book of the law and then covertly absorbed into Lucifer's army and stuff. And that, uh, the book of the law is like this, like this, this, this tool for Lucifer to get out into the world and stuff. So then he's going on about that. And, and, but then it got really scary because he was like, he started saying things like this, like now I know why they wanted me to get in touch with you. And I was like, Whoa, buddy, who are they? And he's like, <laughs> Oh, I know you're recording this. I know you're recording this. And I was like, dude, you just contacted me a half hour ago. Like, oh, I don't want to record you. I want to know why the hell you're talking to me, you know? <laughs> and uh, so he's getting all paranoid. And then he's saying like, he's like, ah, yeah, I understand now. This is what, this is what they have planned for you. And I'm like, dude, you got to just, just put up or shut up. I'm going to hang up on you because it's getting weird, you know? And he just kept alluding to like this plan and this shit. And, you know, eventually I told him like, you know, I, I got to go dude. Like good luck with everything. If you need anything, get in touch. <laughs> and, uh, 
But then a few days later, I'm, I've stayed friends with him on Facebook. He was sending me really scary zombie faces that he was making in MS Paint and shit, like weird, like voodoo zombie faces and stuff. So I was sending him like weird, like enlightened looking third eye alien beings to like hmm. combat the weird vibes. But uh, <laughs> um, two days later, his sister said that uh, signs on his Facebook account and says that uh, her brother is a diagnosed, uh, like schizophrenic or something or another. <laughs> and that, uh, if anyone, if anyone has seen him, please get in touch. So then I start freaking out. I'm like, Oh my God, this dude just bailed. And I'm like one of the last pe- people this crazy dude has talked to. <laughs> and like, so then I'm starting to worry that this dude's going to like turn up in my house or something, you know, yeah. luckily he was from Texas. And I think I, I checked back a few weeks later and, uh, saw the, an update that he was, uh, taken to a hospital or whatever, but it was very strange. And at the time in my personal diary, I had just been exploring the Lucifer myth for like the first time in a more like sinky way, like following leads and stuff. And it was just like, there was weird stuff going on. It was a weird, weird time. But, uh, yeah, I just felt like sharing that strange story. That was was his handler, bro. No, I could, I can resonate with that a lot. Like some of that stuff does mask his mental illness. That guy, Michael Prescott, the, the Mason or whatever, he ended up in jail like a year later for being doing some kind of insane satanic ritual robbery. I don't know what he did, but yeah, these guys like they, a lot of them are mentally ill. So good thing that you didn't get too close, you know. Remember Rick Clay? Yeah, guy? I remember. Rick, oh yeah, I remember Rick Clay. Hey, did you ever talk to him, Dave? I never communicated with him directly, but I, I uh, that was one of the first things in that realm that I really, you know, got into was his his red eyes thing that somebody had. <laughs> represented visually you know i'm just curious why you brought up rick clay with that like what's i mean oh because the way that there was just i mean you know he was he was up into some very um very esoteric information some of the things that he proposed were actually like extremely rational even though they were out there Mm -hmm. you know and it was just like he committed suicide quote unquote but i don't know he's one of those cases where i have to really question like the validity of um because i mean that was the idea is that they were like oh he was really depressed and this and that and uh but then his friends weren't necessarily in agreement from my understanding or whatever so i don't know it felt somewhat applicable i guess i mean yeah i always feel like uh there's a certain vulnerability to people that have tendencies to become uh, disassociated or ungrounded, you know? So then there's the conspiracy side of which, you know, those people have utility, uh, for things, you know, like, so, you know, just cause people are crazy also may not mean that they might actually not be involved in something, you know what I mean? Um, no, and a lot of it starts from a really young age, like, like what I was telling you guys about, um, like and the thing that triggered me about the flat earth thing was that I always had this picture of the guy peeing on the moon and this really fake looking earth in the background. I never really gave it a second thought. And um, I guess a, I guess a lot of these conspiracy theories with the, like the flat earthers and stuff, they, it is religiously tied together. Like when I was a little kid, I remember my my grandparents, they weren't they were religious, but they were pretty flexible about it. They weren't really pushy, but they would play these really bad like 70s revelations movies to me when I was little. We're like, you know, it was the there's only going to be a certain number left at the end times, and it was kind of like um, 144,000. Yeah, it was kind of like really cheesy versions of like the Stand. You guys all saw the Stand, right? Or the the, yeah, the, right, Stephen, right. the Stephen King movie or book book and movie. Anyway, they I showed the me a, they showed me a bunch of like really cheesy versions of that, and my you know my grandma would watch Pastor Hagee on the TV, so. 
he's been like talking about these four blood moons since like I don't know how long ago, but like a lot of people, I guess everybody feels like they're living in the end times, even if they're not. Like how far back does that go? It's like um, it's like there's some kind of like fear porn that we want to like chase at, at any time in history. We want to feel like it's like we're living in the end times. We're living in the shit. We're we're gonna see some stuff happening, and um. I'm seeing that escalate in my work and the the conspiracy theories that I'm getting. Like people are just like, I almost wonder if they're making it happen to a certain degree. Like they want the, these things to occur. It just has to because prophecy has to be fulfilled, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, be, be it scientifically or be it any way these people choose to to go about it. But uh, it, it is it is weird when you see all these things coalesce at certain times and like when they pop up and and pop consciousness and why. That's that's what I try to track and always have your foot in one. You know tangible place and 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 realize that a lot of this stuff is crazy a lot of this stuff is um for entertainment value only you know and for me i mean that reflects one of two things or both at the same time so freud take him or leave him he hypothesized you know we all have sort of this death instinct that's balanced by the love instinct and it's this constant battle between the two and so which whichever one is taking over in your life you'll tend to externalize it and in the same way similar to apocalypse or armageddon where that actually means revealing which is a, just a deep psychological process and so often we're projecting out in the world what we don't want to solve within ourselves so it almost is like this collective externalization of that individual process of death and rebirth that no one is really willing to deal with on a personal level. So they're saying it's going to happen to everyone at once, almost as I guess a way to distribute the anxiety. Maybe that's how I break it down in a armchair psychology kind of way. Um, right. Right or wrong. I mean, I've problems with both those interpretations, but I think there's definitely something that, and that's why you see it over and over and over again. It's something it's gotta be primordial. It's gotta be a proto level of the mind, um, exuding itself and people not, I don't know, confronting it in the right way. Yeah. I think too, like, um, uh, it seems like, you know, our consciousness and things like language and, and the mental processes that we use, um, are all focused on like binaries and, you know, contrast and things. And, um, so I think there's definitely a natural human tendency to just want, um, context you know where it's like oh well there's a beginning and there's an end and we know that we come into the world and there's a beginning and then our body dies and that's some kind of end but um that's the interesting thing like i feel like when i try to remove myself from you know beliefs and dogmas and things like that like as far as i could tell i've never seen anything begin or end but i've just been here you know and uh so i i feel that the mind is always seeking like the map of like well, there's the beginning of the story is the end of the story and the prophecy will be fulfilled. And like, you know, it's like this mean, it's that drive for meaning, you know, where it's just like, uh, because the scary thing is really just the, the, the fact that we're all out here in this beautiful chaos of like self created, uh, harmony and, you know, all kinds of beauty and stuff. But like, but yeah, I feel like people want to grab onto an end of the world narrative or a apocalypse narrative or a climax, you know, but like, I tend to feel like we're we're just living in this eternal climax thing, you know, like this this novelty kind of uh, machine thing, you know. But I, I, I mean, I certainly have seen in my lifetime like all kinds of apocalyptic confirmations of feelings and thoughts, you know. But I feel like on a mass scale, 
it just becomes context for people to like define themselves in, you know, and, uh, it could serve that could go both ways. It could like help, help ask all the right questions to define ourselves, or it could just limit ourselves, you know? Well, in a dualistic world, that's kind of what you're striving for. Like my, like, like Jason Horsley, he's, he's said a million times that he thinks that, the the meaning or goal in life is not to be happy. It's like, to have union again, you know? So a lot of this stuff is like funneling from each hemisphere of our brain, like picking the one or the other, but, um, we're just trying to get back to those original breadcrumbs of how you can find union in yourself. And that's like what real peace is. So a lot, a lot of these conspiracies and like these prophecies that have to be fulfilled is probably just us wanting to get back to union with that feeling of what, you know, just being oneness with everything. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I often feel like the, my, my personal trip was, um, I don't know, I was always interested in mysteries, but I was heavily passionate about conspiracy and, and things like that, like early on. And then that led into a deeper uh, curiosity about mysticism and, and just human nature itself. But I, I honestly do feel like that conspiracy theory is like this first kind of layer, this like outer crust where you're looking for truth, you know, like this truth about all this conjecture and all these narratives. And it's like, there's this virtue in it where it's like, we've got to figure out the truth because the truth should be, and we've got to find it and do it and make it, you know? And like, so yeah, I totally feel like conspiracy is a natural or conspiracy or just any kind of constructive, uh, you know, uh, framework of a map, you know, is, uh, uh, valuable in that sense, you know? Well, it's all about the lie, right? So, like, the lie is, in, is inherent. It's like the, the crux of the fall. So our ability to uh, lie to another, our ability to lie to ourselves, and then the fact that uh, we, we tell, this is the uh, mind conf thing, where it's like, we tell lies about little things sometimes. Like, people generally, when you're looking at the populace, people tell these small lies about small matters in their lives uh, when they have to. Um, and so those people who do that psychologically, they, the idea of a, of a huge lie is like this inconceivable thing, um, because they're so, uh, kind of caught up in this idea of like that, oh, you wouldn't go to that extreme, uh, to do that. Like, why would somebody do that? You know? And the, um, amount well, of, and, and the amount of people that would have to be in on it, you know what I mean? That that really blows people's minds. Like, well, actually, that it would actually in a lot of these cases, it wouldn't have to be that many people. And if you pick any given circumstance, like if you're looking at a false flag event or you're looking at this, you know, whatever, you can have people participating in something and not realize that they're even participating in a lie. And that's that's the far out factor for me. It's like you could have a whole war, right, and only have ten people or whatever. Uh, in on the fact that everyone's fighting over bullshit, like sure. it doesn't, it doesn't. You don't, you don't need that many people, you know. Well, there, there's a chaotic element in my personality that I wonder why would it, why wouldn't that element be in any of these people that have been in space? You know, like what, what, what if Buzz Aldrin or one of those guys just got really drunk one day and they're like, "There's no fucking space, we lied." No sp-. Like that you know would what? fucking happen. If they happen. got drunk and they said that, it wouldn't fucking matter. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin said we never went to the moon. You know, He's, fuck. Yeah. Okay, he says a lot of things. You know, whatever. Yeah. You know, You're right, oh, man. and I don't know. <laughs> what, would take, what would it take anyone? You know, someone asked me like, what would it take you to believe so and so about the way this, these prescribed physics work and stuff? I, it would probably take me physically experiencing what they were seeing with my own eyes. You know, 
And, um, you know, for the longest time, like when I would see pictures of the solar system, I think, I mean, that's still the most prominent image of the solar system is the sun in the middle and the planets kind of like orbiting around these circular, mostly circular orbits and stuff. But if the sun's really rocketing through the Milky Way at, I don't know, 400,000 miles an hour, which is insanely fast, then that means the planets are kind of chasing it in like a toroidal vortex. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going along with it. Yeah, spiraling yeah. through space. Yeah, exactly. Spiraling while spiraling. But, the, you know, that, that image is not the one that's fully put out there. I mean, maybe it is now. I mean, that's how, that's how the world and that's how consciousness is changing. Right, but when super... I was in school and you were in school, they never, like, emphasized that. That's fucking far out, dude. It's really psychedelic, I know. And I would have had a more psychedelic idea of the universe if they taught me that as a kid. Um, right, and, right. It, and it was just, like, mind-blowing when I saw a really good rendered image of what that looks like. So I think that's really inspiring because, like, the further we go into time, whatever that means, like, we're starting to see whether we're two planers or three planers or whatever we are. Like we're just starting to see more details. More, you know, the pictures are getting more clear, and I, I really love that about life. It's, it's, it excites me. I'm sure I'm not the first one to think this, but when relating to the flat Earth thing, I can't help but be like, is it a joke? Is it like you're talking about? Like, what does this communicate about the culture right now? Like where right. we're at for this to be this kind of popular thing? To it, well, yeah, why why would it be on the rise it, now? It, well, that yeah. it it points out kind of like the idea that if we're like oh well if you have um you know in terms of dimensionality it's like oh we're relating to this like it could just be that what we've taken as the norm is just as illusory as this wackadoo idea but in reverse so it's kind of hard to communicate but like what we could infer we're actually existing within yeah like what we're calling 3d could be as far removed from that thing we're actually in <laughs> on another level you know yeah. you know what i'm saying like sure sure and that's the, that's the irony that it's like seems to point to for me. It's like it's like this kind of joke on our consciousness. It's like, yeah. oh, you think this is crazy? Well, the mm -hmm. truth is, where you think you're at right now is just as crazy. For sure. And I mean, there, and there's nothing wrong with pointing out that there's could, there could be alternate models of things that work. I don't think a lot of the flat earthers say that the you know the ball the globe theory it, it's, it's a working model. Everybody agrees it's a it's a working model. But, you know, they'll just use ridiculous examples like, you know, uh, uh, what's, what's that guy, Branson, Virgin Galactic or whatever? The, he's like one of the first person to try to private, privatize space flight. And it's not, that's allegedly not related to NASA. He might be. Who knows? But anyway, he had one of his planes crashed and like the, the flat earthers are like, oh, he hit the fucking firmament. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, you know, that, that airplane hit the firmament and they use stuff like that. And you're just like, what? Like, <laughs> so it's just like degrees of perspective and like what you allow yourself uh, – how malleable you can be in those things, especially um, with the amount of educational programming we get at a young age. I keep bringing that up, but it's it's hard to beat. It's hard to get past. Can I ask a question here? Um, uh, good to hear your voice, Steve. By the way, um, so I'm I'm really happy to hear you guys talking on this this topic. I'm so I'm coming late to it, so I didn't catch a lot of it. But uh, I'm I've been pondering a similar sort of thing. And maybe the, the answer can be explained as eloquently as, as boiled down to that same thing. How much do you want to bend your reason and, you know, do you want to be open? Do you want to, you know, all, all those sorts of things. But uh, I've really been thinking a lot about this idea of the um, crisis actors. Oh, yeah. And um, – I mean like Sandy Hook stuff? Sure. Yeah, exactly. But from – and uh, this is this is a really broad stroke to place on it, so I'm not trying to just shit on the whole concept. But ultimately, what I 
I keep coming back to is this idea of it is such a it would be so you know you guys familiar with this idea of like we want to believe there's a conspiracy because at least somebody's in control. That was right. There was like a popular uh, Terrence McKenna and Alan Moore have said these yeah. sorts of things. Like sure, of the, the planet, the, the world is rudderless, but a conspiracy at least makes you feel like at least somebody fucking knows what's going on, right? <laughs> yeah. right. Well, Even if they don't have our best interest at heart, <laughs> exactly. there's somebody at the wheel. <laughs> right. It, yeah. It's just it's a comforting notion. Well, sure. the, the crisis actor stuff for me um, – keeps coming up in my mind as a very similar sort of thing. And again, I'm not trying to paint a broad brush that there's no such thing. Uh, but my, my point is more that it's a really comforting thought. If I were sitting at home and thinking, man, you know, I'm not, I, you know, my family could go to the supermarket. Um, you know, what was that? Arizona, Jared Lee Loner guy, you know, my family could go to the church here in, you know, in Charleston, South Carolina. My family could be at a wherever the fuck, right? And not sure. Or myself or my loved ones, whomever, or just the idea that there's fucking tragedy in the world. And we could be sitting here looking at the, you know, with, as a conspiracy culture, we could be looking at these things going, man. I really have sympathy and my heart goes out to these people who died, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. Or you can go, you know what? There isn't even any, those people didn't even really die. Those are actors. I mean, to me, isn't that such a comforting, selfish thought to think, yeah, you know what? Actually, there's no, there's no fucking tragedy. It's all pretend. It's all pretend. Right. Well, it gets weird when those those victims have this intense need, which gets fulfilled, to become multi, multi, multi millionaires over the over the loss, you know, mm-hmm. and like and still making money. Like in certain cases, like you mentioned, Sandy Hook, obviously. Um, but yeah, that gets like the families got reimbursed for housing no, and stuff. Do- like that. Donations, like oh. people have been donating to Sandy Hook victims like nonstop since it happened. They've become like big time millionaires. Like everybody involved, you know. That's and true. Like, I'm not saying I'm not accusing you know whatever, but there's some very curious elements involved there. But yes, I get your point, Alan. I think we all do. And then we can here. pretend we're not complicit in these things. I mean, we're all participants in this culture in a way, and in so many ways, it's a culture that perpetuates this war machine that creates the blowback that then creates these terrorist attacks. Whether some be false flags and some be blowback, but. It just seems like in conspiracy circles, they just every time uh, any story gets publicized, it has to be a false flag, and there is there's got to be something psychologically wrong. No, but that's the thing though is that we're talking about particularly sensationalized events, man. And there's like so many events all the time that don't get this kind of shit. But if if you, I mean, do do you guys still (laughs) keep up with? Like a lot of conspiracy news, because I find it's gotten to be a parody of itself in the sense that there is no journalism, there is no research. If a story, like a breaking news item, hey, there's a shooting going on in wherever, in this, you know, right now there's a guy shooting up this movie theater. You will have 30,000 people taking to Facebook going, false flag event, you know, um, I knew, you know. You don't fucking know. Well, and I'm not. I'm not. That's I'm not kind of walking. more a more recent thing that we're able to say stuff like that, or that that happened so quickly now. Um, and yeah, I had I deal with that because you know, Rents Radio is like one of my 
my biggest you know job related things that I do. So I see all that stuff come through. Like I see James Fetzer, I get really high, and they show pictures of the kids that are supposedly alive from Sandy Hook, and I'm like, whoa, is that them? <laughs> so like I I I get to experience like both halves of that uh, that subject matter, and like um when when things seem like a gigantic play that like David said, there's money involved. Like a lot of people always profit from it there has to be like a, an ends uh to something like that to be staged correct so many people say that that's part of a very long play chess game of like getting people disarmed and uh gun control and things like that but it is an incredibly slow game it's not like sandy hook made it impossible for any of us to buy a gun but is is there somebody playing this ridiculously long chess game where like in 50 years from now there's going to be like more jade helm style stuff where there's federal police and less local police and are they trying to disarm us so that long-term conspiracy ideology like to think of it like that is is incomprehensible to me but that that a hu- that humans could set that up it's it's really difficult for my mind to accept that but well that's that, the idea of the great work though isn't it yeah that, yeah that there's a general goal involved and then everybody's contributing to it in some way you know well yeah well, well wouldn't that be the ultimate genius if it was that that long of a chess game it's hard to comprehend how long that would be but like these little things they don't need, they don't expect any act like saying hook or anything to be the the be all uh you know trigger point in which all these things are going to fall into place these are like they're not dominoes this is like really right. well it's more really of a slow. go game than a chess game right exactly yeah because it's it's all territorial you know there you go uh, and it's just territory of consciousness too sure and then fill, you fill the empty spaces. Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, yeah, but I was just thinking too, just like, you know, if you think about, you know, people in power, people who inherit like, you know, familial and, uh, you know, government uh, power and inheritances and stuff like, you know, managing large portions of people or portions of resources and large scale operations like in terms of how much time it's going to take to do things like you know power does operate on a different level you know like a whole different like managing of empire you know so then it gets interesting to think about maybe it maybe for as long as politics and power have been at it there's been this you know there's this cheating involved you know where you could you could set up a fake you know shootout downtown on Tuesday afternoon because you need the public distracted from something, you know, going on uptown or, you know, so like uh, as much as maybe it's not the great work of some dark reptilian overlord or something. Um, but, but maybe a tool of the trade of, of power, you know, um, a, a general, and, uh, a general like misdirection, right? Well, yeah, just like, uh, you know, just like, uh, it's a, it's a, a tool like, you know, throughout time that, you know, when you can't, get what the reaction you want out of people you create the thing that creates the reaction you want you know and uh so yeah so i'm just thinking that maybe this is how power plays and has played for so long and it's maybe it's not so much a a long contrived effort uh of a single um purpose but or maybe that purpose just being like you know, control, you well, know, or just yeah, uh, well, like the burning of the Reichstag is just like an isolated example for, or maybe not isolated, but uh, false flags has been carried out by governments for a long, long time. And they just seem to be kind of short term power plays. And so you could say that if you look at the history and long term, anyone could piece events together to make whatever narrative they want. I mean, history is not 
a science, it is an art. And if you want to connect events in a certain way, you will and you can. But like you're saying, Kevin, this is just sort of a, a, a trade practice and that if enough random powerful groups do it that aren't really in communication with each other, it gives the appearance of this grand plan, but it's really nothing more than... You know what, though? There's things. an issue. What issue? When you, so, well, when, when Alan's saying, you know, that we've seen immediately people are like, oh, a false flag event, and yeah, no, people get over the top and all of this shit. There's very curious elements at play, but you, you, would, you would actually think that that would actually make sense, that if they were formulaic, if there were a formula, and people were unaware of the formula, and then because of the way information works or whatever, if people were to pick up on the formula, then every time an event would be coming, it would happen faster that they'd say, oh, this is how, this is how, because you're seeing the same elements at work each time. So people are like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. That I, I, absolutely. I'm just and I, devil's advocate. But, yeah. Sure, same, same here. As I said, I really don't want to paint too broad a brush on any of these things. I'm not trying to trivialize or discount any of it. Um, rather, though, I, I think as much as I'm trying to avoid generalization, it's that same issue that I have because – if uh, you, you have you have make an excellent point that yes you can discover the formula and you could say hey this has all the ingredients of but you know there's there's multiple layers to that even because one where are you what is the source of the information that you're basing this formula you know oh i see the proof of this formula in blah 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 that is coming from your mainstream media that you claim is so tightly controlled so are you basing your evidence on the journalism of an institution that you don't believe? Right, but how tightly controlled are we actually saying? Because it seems that most of the conspiracy theorists in that realm don't believe it's tightly controlled at all, but just tries to be, and that it's got major flaws to that side of it. Like, they're, they're not really able to achieve. They're like, their special effects are limited, you know? Wait, you're implying that, we could go around the country faking mass murders uh, with no whistleblowing at levels of government. You know, like no local police chief goes, actually, um, there's no fucking blood here. Or, you know, like uh, any of these, like the, the level of the conspiracy, but they can't pay off a fucking dime a dozen, you know, wannabe Katie Couric on, uh, you know, some potunk town journal you know news anchor and be like hey can you say such and such that's bullshit mm-hmm. sorry did, sorry david that wasn't aimed at you i'm just no no no, you, no did did you see how that how crazy the the corner report was for sandy hook the guy that was in charge of doing the corner report how yeah, the, it's nuts. the whole well that was the thing too is that no one's allowed to look it's the first time in u.s history or whatever that mm-hmm. a state has pa- made it illegal to look at death records and it happened like what two weeks before the shooting or whatever <laughs> it's pretty convenient yeah, yeah. for real for real yeah, yeah I, i'm I mean, with he you was questionable yeah. but um okay so let's see it this way let's like the anglo-american establishment conspiracy like uh that carol quigley pointed out in uh, tragedy and hope for example so i consider that a, a real conspiracy and there's even you could argue there's some sort of lineage to that at the same time um those assholes created huge institutions that perpetuate those original architects ideology that then the people that 
fit into those institutions later are nothing but cogs. They really have no, mm, they don't have the same motives necessarily. Maybe some of them do like the real higher ups, like skull and bones dudes, but really small groups. And then the rest, it's really the technology of the institution that's perpetuating the ideology. It's not consciousness uh, or a consciousness of a nefarious plan in the people in those institutions. So to say these people, this large group is in on it. I don't see, I just see that like we are living in the singularity that the, te- the technology, which had these original biases sort of imbued in it are what are perpetuating these things. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I get that. I, I think, but I think it's also interesting to uh, consider that sometimes these institutions are like less temporal expressions of those people's like right. wills, you know? So like the American empire is this, this vessel now for this, this project, you know, that was began. And so there's a certain consciousness inherent in it, but it's not like confined to it, you know, but, but I definitely, I get what you're saying there, but I think there's, um, there's still that, like the power in those institutions that's like kind of echoing from individuals. Well, I think they're definitely like, there's a lot of Calvinists or Neo Calvinists that think that they're, you know, the chosen ones. Now at the same time, I think that, and then they can just sort of occupy their positions of power without any actions of consciousness because, or conscience because, Oh, we're the chosen ones. And then there's these, you know, monkeys below us that fuck them. It doesn't matter. So in that sense, I just see it as like really cynical, money driven, sort of, really primitive animalistic behavior on the part of humans that is really leading to all this bullshit. (laughs) And it's not this really, it's not, they're so smart. It's just, they have these institutions that are extremely powerful and we're always, we are herd animals. And so I guess we've just been living in these patterns for so long that they almost just the same shit keeps happening over and over again. And we want to say, Oh, someone is planning every time, but it's just like blowback from an original planning. I would say there was an original plan in place, but that plan is long since really just given way to more base drives of profit and greed and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I mean, we we do have that herd mentality, but what's changing really rapidly is is social psychology and how we immediately react to some of these these things. I don't know if it was David that said it, but like, we have people that are like throwing up that these things are hoaxes a lot quicker than they were even one even five years ago, and um, it it makes me think that you know if they if these events actually occurred or if the conspiracy theories are half right or all right that they didn't occur, it still allows somebody with an intelligence level of, of you know, around our intelligence level, uh, um, to analyze what the group or what the herd will do. I, I think even Jim Morrison um, read a lot about how to inside a riot uh, during his shows, and he went, because he tested a lot of things on um, the, the amount of people that would come to his shows, like the psychology of what he could do, what, what he could do with his, with his body, with sexuality, with uh, provoking people, and he 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 tested that market. And in the, in the '60s, that market was a lot different than it is now. And it's changing faster and faster than ever because of the internet and because of all of these um, people coming out right away and not believing anything. Even if they see a video of someone getting shot, they, they're a lot quicker to say, oh, he didn't get shot. There was no gun. There was actually an ulterior motive here. So right. uh, the people that are noticing the ulterior motives and the amount of the, how quick we can turn it around on the internet is making a big jumble. It's making it all seem very, very ambiguous. So the conspiracy market's not going anywhere because we're – 
able to create like these algorithms of conspiracy very quickly now and it doesn't take much to get it started not you know the fire doesn't have to be that hot for it to get started you right. just it's just really shot out there quickly these days well that was all about the living theater right with morrison yeah. so yeah. for for him you could say oh we live in a kind of solidified structure he wanted to coagulate it so that people could reflect on what was already happening so to recreate it in a different context so you have like a rock concert <clears throat> really put it in their faces how they're being how they're already doing that like it's not like a new thing like look at what you're doing look at what you're participating in even though you buried your head in the sand or whatever you know sure. i mean that was what i took from uh the living theater in the first place like the living theater was already all about that like you know they would uh basically look at what the bare minimum was for something. So if you're looking at like nudity, they're like, oh, well, you just can't show your nipples or whatever. So they put a little piece of tape. Women would put a little piece of tape on their nipples and walk through the, the crowd and say things like, oh, I'm ashamed of what's most beautiful or whatever. <laughs> you know, and that was where the idea came from for him to take his dick out, but not take his dick out. So people would say, oh, my God, yeah, I saw the thing. But it's all, you know, they wanted to see it. And so they said that they did, you know. <laughs> totally. Have you guys heard the name Aaron Russo? Do you know that guy? He's a oh, oh hell so yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. What do y'all think him generally? Yeah. I mean, I I found him very convincing, and he's one of the people I put into like that compartment uh, where I'm like I I tend to believe what this person's saying, and they actually provide a lot of insight into maybe what's really going on. Um, but then of course I don't know. He died what five or six years ago, and and then the of course the conspiracy will deepen. People say, well, he was given cancer by guided electromagnetic radiation <laughs> that sort of shit obviously <laughs> uh at the same time like I, I just found i found him believable i didn't know what you guys thought of him can i just throw one thing about aaron russo any synchro mystic that has ever or anyone even remotely related to synchro mysticism or, or anything like that that stumbled onto the what is the Eddie Murphy um, movie with they're selling the orange juice and the nine eleven trading places over, trading, trading places, places yeah. yeah do you know Aaron Russo who was who made a a documentary saying the Rockefellers and Rothschild came to him and said they were plant they were behind nine eleven and all this shit right right do you know Aaron Russo was an executive producer on Trading Places. What? Yeah, that's crazy. That's um, totally crazy. Yeah, I'm pulling up his IMDb now. He yeah. Holy shit. Interesting. Uh, is it? Am I right? Is it executive producer or something else? No, it just, it just says producer. I don't know. Executive. Producer. Okay, yeah, yeah, you go. So, so. Um, See you next Wednesday. <laughs> right. So, like, the idea that this movie that so accurately foreshadows... 9-11 was produced by a guy who ends up saying he had advanced knowledge of 9-11 that to me is an example of a you know what we might normally think of as sync maybe not so much right like um, uh, a Joe Alexander back to the future type video starts to take on a different type of uh, context in some a scenario like that so you're looking at the IMDB uh, what who, who was the Director of uh, Trading Places. Uh, I'll tell you that one second. Uh, John Landis. Yeah. So in every, if, I don't know. You got you guys. I'm sure are all familiar with this, but it's good to tell people because it's weird. Um, 
You know, like every John Landis movie ha- pretty much has the See You Next Wednesday somewhere in it. But uh-huh. the, the origin of that is 2001 A Space Odyssey when Frank Poole is talking to his parents before he dies. And they say, see you next Wednesday. And they sing happy birthday to him. Oh, fuck. So, that's a, so if you even go to Wikipedia and just type in see you next Wednesday, it'll list every John Landis movie that references it and everything else that references it. Um, but yeah, I always thought that that was really fucking weird. Because like that was the thing, is that Trading Places has this whole 9-11 thing. But the, it seems like the ultimate synchronistic uh i don't know how to put it um like uh i mean 2001 is like the pinnacle of of 9-11 conspiracy shit for me at least you know he, he was also the executive producer of that show sliders do you guys remember that one? Oh yeah yeah <laughs> so i mean he dealt with like that kind of like stargate event like early on i guess 95 he did that right well relating to kevin's stuff he did thriller which oh, yeah, he, in the front yeah. oh, right. says see you he, next Wednesday in front, right? He worked with MJ on a lot of stuff. Yeah, Thriller's one of them. What's really interesting yeah. is that he's so, on his Wikipedia page, of course, there's nothing even referencing him speaking out in support of 9-11 as a conspiracy at all. Yeah, Who is this? Uh, Aaron Russo, he, I mean, he made the film. He's the He like narrates and produced and directed the movie freedom to fascism yeah but that, fascism, i mean that's yeah. of course but I'm, I'm just talking about his 9-11 activism so there's nothing on wikipedia even mentioned right because beyond the film he was he's an activist he did all kinds of stuff right yeah he was a libertarian um politically speaking and political a political candidate yeah, even Nevada, something well yeah it's funny i'm sorry no nope, oh, i didn't mean to interrupt i'm sorry um, it just reminds me too of the uh, that nine eleven uh, mega powers and twin towers uh, video I put together. It's got a uh, Jesse Ventura in it, and he's uh, commenting on the wrestling match in like nineteen eighty nine uh, between the twin towers wrestling team and the mega powers. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that video, but there's like an intense amount of uh, terrorism vocabulary throughout that whole match. And uh, Jesse Ventura, you know, who in the future, you know, now he's got his own conspiracy TV show and he's like this this truth guy and everything. But he's part of this wrestling match that like perfectly prophesizes 9-11 Dude. as a terrorist attack. And like I've been hounding him on Facebook and Twitter for like years now saying like, yo, Governor Jesse, like tell me what what you can what, what do you say about this crazy synchronicity or like revelation of conspiracy of your involvement and like he he hasn't responded to like any of my tweets or facebook messages or i'd comment on his posts and i still can't get him to react to the fact that he's like embedded in this clear like prophecy or sync or conspiracy and yeah uh, just people just don't write back when it comes to stuff like that if you really nail someone like and i'm sure he's probably kind of a hard guy to get hold of but i can't imagine he's that hard i mean I don't know. I've yeah. I've tripped out on that when you're trying to contact somebody that you feel like you really found something on, you know, and then it, they just, you know, there's just no reply back, you know. So nobody here has ever actually tackled like Jim Carrey or um, any any of these guys. Just like you saw him on the street, Keanu Reeves just like grabbed him. Well, you know, we've had Radio Eight Ball. We had what Seth Green on there, and yeah, whatever, yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's true. A, a little bit of that. But, yeah. yeah, Andres when... has had some people on his show too that were actors, actresses. I almost, I almost uh, threw a book at 
Charlie Sheen's head. And I saw him. <laughs> what? The sync book? Uh, no, this was pre-sync book. This was Look at All the Happy Creatures. Mm. I was going to... <laughs> when i was when i was just in new york i wanted to um you know it was like the inauguration of pe- letting people in the one world trade center or whatever and i wanted to bring a sync book up to the top of that but i was i was a day short dollar late so oh no you don't want to bring that up the anti-prism man <laughs> prism not prison yeah. well, Jeez. Ke- Ke- kevin and i were sincerely considering running monkey costumes and running around in front of the Millennium Hilton building, but that didn't happen either. It was pretty hot. <laughs> you just have to run up and Next touch time. it really quick. Just get that photo of you touching the, the Millennium Hilton. That would be great. We'll do it. We'll, we'll get it done. <laughs> nice. Good. That's important. I don't know what's going to happen if you do that. I, I, probably nothing at first. <laughs> <laughs> One of us will get heat stroke or we'll get maybe re- possibly arrested or a ticket. <laughs> I'd love for it to like, uh, you know, synchromystics in the future can look back on it. And, uh, I don't know, something it like feels like something on par with like trying to levitate the Pentagon or something, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like bringing the monkeys to the Stargate. Like, you know, somebody has got to do it sometime, you know, you, guys, <laughs> you know, that, uh, the, the moon watcher from 2001, a space odyssey, the actor who is inside the ape suit, uh, of the main ape, right? Uh, that was the director of photography for John Lennon's Imagine video. I did not know that. Holy shit. <laughs> what the hell? That's yeah. so weird. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know why. Why? Well, the thing was, John Lennon uh, paid large sums of money so that poor people uh, could watch 2001 A Space Odyssey. He, like, donated for you know people didn't have to pay for their tickets or whatever he he's quoted as having said that 2001 should have been played every day in a cathedral (laughs) that's so cool yeah which was interesting the connection with the holy mountain right because like he he financed the holy mountain in the end uh, secretly right was was he the was he the you know like the the kickstarter that 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 was able to he was the last guy (laughs) they've ruined all this footage and they didn't know what they were going to do and he loved El Topo. And so he gave Jodorowsky a large sum of money, him and Yoko, to finish the film, uh, to make up for the, the uh, wrecked uh, f- footage, supposedly. Which is very reminiscent of, of like Lucifer Rising in a weird kind of way. Because like Bobby Boussoulet or whatever ran off with the footage. you know. And they say that Lucifer Rising isn't the same amount as it would have been otherwise. you know. Uh, but it's just Lucifer Rising, the Holy Mountain, like... Uh, 2001 the whole like premise of everything's maya you know turning over the table it's very similar to um the whole premise that's presented like you know the false flag odyssey idea um so i don't know it's just that's some interesting correspondence there for sure Thank you for listening to this broadcast from the SyncBook Radio. If you enjoyed this episode, there's so much more content waiting for you at thesyncbook.com. Tune in to our other SyncBook Radio programs, 42 Minutes, Always Record, The Marty Leeds Mathematical Radio Hour, Synchronize, Pentimental, and Sync Quick News. Our newest episodes are always free, and members get access to our full archive of over 600 hours. You'll find all of this, as well as our books and videos, at thesyncbook.com.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.